occasionally it's good rather than driving your list to a blog post just to email them some content and start mm. a conversation in email rather than starting a conversation in a comment section on your blog just because people don't have the same conversation in comment sections that they'll have in their inbox. You hear all the bull about marketing every day. Make your money in your sleep. My new offer is crushing it. My guru could beat up your guru. It's time to go right to the source and get the truth about marketing. With your host, the founder of CopyChief.com, Kevin Rogers. It's the truth about marketing, and I'm Kevin Rogers. Thanks for being here for another great episode. You know what this is, right? This is the show where we ain't playing no games. We're not skimming the surface here of theory or what might be a good idea for your marketing. We're going deep with the players themselves, right? The people in the trenches out there doing stuff, testing stuff, seeing what works, and always optimizing. And I'm happy to bring back for a second time on The Truth About Marketing, my man, Will Hookinga. Will is one of my favorite copywriters. He runs the blog Copygrad, C-O-P-Y-G-R-A-D, copygrad.com. And I've long said that Will is just one of the brightest freelancers I see working because he's just always producing really great content and, and going in depth. And he loves to review what companies are doing in their email and I just, every time I see something new pop up from Will, I'm excited and I, I dive right in. So today, Will has agreed to come on and teach us a new process he's been using about all around email. He calls it the email stress test, and we're going to dive into it. And just as a note, in the show notes, Will is going to prepare for us a PDF that you will have. You can go and download. So if you go to copychief.com forward slash T-A-M is where you'll find uh, this episode and you can uh, download the PDF to really bring this home in a visual format. See examples of what we're talking about today. So, Will, thank you, brother, for being here, and I'm excited, man. Kevin, man, I'm so excited to be back, and I feel like a grizzled veteran at this point coming on for my second time. <laughs> so, yeah, no, you always have great guests and great info on Truth About Marketing, so I'm honored to, to get to be one of those for a second time. Yeah, brother, I'm thrilled to have you, and I think only Brian Kurtz is ahead of you now with three. Oh, you know, so you're in the, three? Okay. You're in the double club along with some of my other favorite people like you know Dean Jackson and Ryan Lee and so welcome welcome to the club my man <laughs> yeah well I'll I'll be damned if I'm not going to be the first to get the four appearances so <laughs> I love it. uh so yeah we'll make sure this is good but yeah no great intro and yeah I I want to talk about this email stress test today you know we exchanged emails and we're kind of looking for something good to talk about. And this was really something at the moment I had kind of been working on and I fleshed it out a little bit more since then. But it's basically, it's almost like a checklist for email marketers, or even if you're not an email marketer, if you're a business who's just writing emails, it's sort of uh, guidelines and steps to go through just to make sure you're getting the most out of each email you write. Because one thing I found in working with varieties of businesses that do lots of business online is that there's just few ways that you can get quicker, more impactful results mm -hmm. in you know your online business than 
tweaking your emails or, you know, doing something different with your email just because, you know, the response time is immediate, the conversion rates are high. So it's it's just it's it's really it's the front lines of of conversion for a lot of businesses. And so I think any way you can find to get an edge there is good. Yeah. Yeah. Real quick, you know, people love to wring their hands over the idea that email could go away at some point. Right. And you also work with with Nathan over at Hardbound. And by the way, right. everybody, if, you, if you're not hip to Hardbound, I'm about to make your day. <laughs> it, it is the coolest app. You will put this on the front screen of your, your phone. Essentially what it is, is it started out as a, a, a really cool way to tell stories and teach sort of through the, the, the story, the history of something. Like how, you know, what is fire? How does fire work, right? Then you go, I think I understand how fire works. And then you start just tapping through this story and you're like, wow, I'm learning a lot here, you know? And you, you really fun and, but it's, but that's a, that's an app, right? And so you can, you can view it on your desktop, Will, but right. primarily app driven. And that's one of those examples where I look at that and go, boy, if you could ever, like, will this type of teaching, learning, interacting, and then, of course, there's Snapchat and, and all the social media stuff ever replace email. What do you say to that when people wonder that? Yeah, so that's that's a really interesting question. You know, there are so many exciting new formats out right now. And I'm, you know, super thrilled and lucky to, to be an advisor for Hardbound, you know, and their, their whole thing is telling, you know, visual stories designed specifically for your phone. So I, I think w whenever there's a new format, there's always a rush. And, you know, Snapchat is a great example of people afraid that different channels and stuff will replace email. But at the end of the day, email still has the highest engagement. Funny enough, Hardbound just made uh, one of their first growth hires. And the first thing he's focusing on is increasing email signups. So, you know, I mean, one of the, the, the best ways to keep readers coming back is to reach them via email. Um, and, and push notifications work great, too. But email is an important channel for everybody. So, yeah. And, you know, like, for instance, when, when you guys recently at Hardbond decided to go straight to books, you're, it's, which is brilliant, I think. It's a book review now, right? So you're essentially getting, you know, a book condensed into this great visual, quick reading, storytelling format. But I learned about it, and Nathan sent out an email about why, right? So a short right, video right. of just him. So it's a great point that 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 story was told through email. It's it, it's like a, it's it's its own channel of communication, even if you have another medium, right? There's still like exactly. a certain kind of conversation you can have that's just more appropriate for email. Exactly. Yeah. And people have conversations in email that they don't have elsewhere. Like I, I was just I was doing um, a webinar for the folks at Lead Pages last week, and I was talking about how emailing your list, uh, how occasionally it's good rather than driving your list to a blog post just to email them some content and start mm. a conversation in email rather than starting a conversation in a comment section on your blog, just because people don't have the same conversation in comment sections that they'll have in their inbox. So definitely. That's but true. You know, the, the whole kind of genesis for this email stress test idea actually came because I was researching a book for Hardbound. And so, you know, when Hardbound started out, we were just telling interesting stories um, and they were kind of random. You know, they're about science and history. But at some point, you know, we decided to 
instead of just telling random stories, telling great stories from best-selling nonfiction books in an interesting visual format to kind of give people a taste of a book, an idea of the essence of a book, and connect people with great things to read, um, you know, who don't necessarily have as much time to read. So one of the books I was looking at was this book called The Checklist Manifesto. And I was really skeptical about it. It's by this doctor named Atul Gawande, but like Bill Gates had recommended this book. All these people were talking about this book called The Checklist Manifesto and like changed the way they worked. And the reason I was so skeptical is because I feel like marketers have kind of ruined checklists. Like yeah. um, it's almost like every blog post you go to now, it's like, you know, download the checklist based on this post and you like download it. And it's like three little checkboxes of like <laughs> stuff you would absolutely never forget to do. Um, <laughs> you know, and it's just right. it's just like a content upgrade to get your email. So I was really skeptical, but I started reading this book and there are just all these amazing stories of how checklists have like transformed, like the way hospitals work, the way skyscrapers are built, like construction companies and and developers and stuff have these really elaborate, interesting checklists. Mm. So it's a really great book and I can't recommend it enough. But as I was reading this, I was like, man, like it would be great to have a checklist for email. The only problem is I think when you start thinking about a checklist for email, you just think of the stuff like, okay, make sure like all the links work, make sure I'm sending this to the right people. And I wasn't as interested in a checklist that would just like prevent you from making little mistakes like that, but more so a checklist that would make sure you were writing a great email. But the problem is as you try to apply a checklist to things with more complexity, it's less effective because you know, there are there are formulas and strategies and techniques and stuff that you can use to write better email, but it's hard to really standardize something that applies to everyone and yeah. like, you know, always do this and you'll write a great email. So I, that's why I landed on the concept of a stress test as more just like, OK, as I'm writing an email, what can I what questions do I need to be asking to really make sure I'm hitting on the right things? And and yeah, so that's kind of the concept here. And, and I'm curious, is this the kind of thing you look at before you sit down to write? So you, you frame it all in your head or is it something you check with after you've written an email? So there are basically stages to it. There are a few questions that I ask before I write the email and I call those framing questions. And then there are ones like, you know, there are some that just apply to the subject line and the opening of the email. So, you know, once I've written a little bit of it, maybe I revisit it. And then there's ones that apply just like once the whole thing is written, like here are some things to consider as you're reading back through it line by line. So and I really think the way, you know, other people might use it will vary. Some people might just want to get it all on paper and then come back and really tear into it. But the framing questions in particular, I find are are helpful to ask before you start just because it, it frames the conversation you need to be having in your mind. And so, yeah, so I thought, you know, we could start with a couple of those framing questions that I think would be useful for for listeners to use. And, you know, we'll dive into a few of the steps here, like Kevin said, but, you know, we don't want this to end up being a 90 minute podcast. So <laughs> we'll we'll kind of like check out a few of them. And then like, uh, like Kevin said, in the show notes, you can get uh, the whole thing. But yeah, right. so you want to you want to yeah, get started? Let's do it. With yeah, yeah. Little tease, little teaching while they drive and then they can come back to the page and get get the full the full load. So yeah, let's dive into the first framing question. Okay. So the first one, this actually comes from another book, <laughs> surprisingly. But so the question is, am I talking to the elephant or the rider and why? And the elephant and the rider is a metaphor 
from this book called The Righteous Mind, which was written by a psychologist named Jonathan Haidt. And so the subtitle of the book is Why Good People Are Divided by Politics and Religion. So it's not necessarily a marketing book, but it's a book that really helps you understand what motivates people, why they make the decisions they do. If you've ever read Influence, I felt like there were a lot by uh, Robert Cialdini. I felt like there were a lot of kind of connections there. But basically, Jonathan Haidt's hypothesis is that essentially the human brain is divided. Part of it is what he calls the elephant, and part of it is what he calls the rider. And the elephant is really governed by emotion and intuition. And the rider is all about logic and conscious reasoning. And so I think most of us like to think that, you know, when we're forming political opinions or something like that, we we really think through everything very logically and are very conscious of, of everything that, you know, is contributing to our beliefs uh, in that arena. But what he found in his research is that on all sides of the political spectrum, beliefs are really formed almost 100 percent by emotion and intuition. Hmm. And then we seek out logic and facts and things to support that. So the way the metaphor works is we have the elephant, which is the emotion, and then we have the rider, which is the logic. And the rider is just there to serve the elephant. So the elephant's like crashing and careening all over the place. And the rider's just holding on, trying to find things that like back up these emotional feelings. So I was talking about this book on Twitter with someone and another person chimed in was kind of like, you know, that kind of reminds me of the way people purchase things. You know, we make emotional decisions to purchase. And I thought about it. And because that's true, you know, when you you make a purchase, a lot of times it's as much as you'd like to tell yourself it's, you know, because of what it'll help you do. Sometimes it's more about how it makes you feel, what it says about you. But at the same time, I think that the rider, when it comes to purchasing decisions, has a little more influence than it does with things like political beliefs. Mm-hmm. Um, it's easier to talk yourself out of purchasing something, for example, than it is to talk yourself out of a political opinion that you feel strongly about. And so a great example of this is with something like a membership site, like Copy Chief, for example. It, when I've worked with people who have membership sites, um, and the marketing materials, I found that people join a lot of times for very emotional reasons. Um, you know, it's, it's, they, they want to belong to a community. They join because taking that step makes them feel like they're doing something good for their career um, and, and leveling up sort of. So there's a lot of emotional reasons for doing that, which is great. That's how you get the sale. But right. over time, those customers also need logical reasons to stay and to keep investing you you can't run on emotion forever yeah and, and so i i think you know in writing emails a lot of times if if you're in marketing you know that focusing on the benefits is is better than focusing on the features most of the time but i almost think that we've overcorrected and sometimes we focus on emotion too much and we forget that sometimes people just want to know the damn features, you know, like they, they right. want to know the nuts and bolts of something. And so this, this question, like, am I talking to the elephant or the rider and why it, it's helped me kind of balance in my emails, like how much emotion do I need to address here? You know, if it's something like a launch sequence, like have we had previous emails that address these, these emotions? And if so, should we maybe focus on some more logical reasons for buying at this point to speak to different buyer personas and things like that? 
So yeah, this is that's a framing question that I like to start out with to really just get an idea of a balance of emotion versus logic. Yeah, very cool. And it's it, an interesting point you bring up that, especially with communities, because another mantra you hear all the time is people will come for the content and stay for the community, right? And that right. sort of, you know, says, well, it's a, it's a, it is a logical choice first. But then you got to remember, it's they're buying that content for emotional reasons too, right? Right. And, and so right. If, if you can, you can almost sort of like pre-frame, you know, in NLP, we talk about pre-framing and, you know, like what if you can tap into the correct emotion behind what they want from the, say, a training and, you know, pre-frame how that will make them feel once they join the community, if you bring it up later or as a supplemental benefit, right, to the training, then that's important, you know? And so right. th this is a great question to ask yourself, even with something as, you know, seemingly simple as an email. It's like, what, you know, what's the bigger journey we're, we're ultimately taking somebody on, right? It's not about trickery. It's just about thinking it through and saying, how do we want, wh what are we leading? Because it's not always... And I can tell you, especially with like with Copy Chief, I, it's very hard to come up and say one big idea for what Copy Chief is because it's it's really three things, right? Right. And right. and so I just want to point out that I love this already because like just thinking about all right, who am I talking to? What mindset are they in? Where do I where am I wanting to lead them? I think we always need to get to it as quick as possible, right? And very often that means. You, you, you just got to leave some stuff out right now. There's like amazing benefits you're going to want to tell somebody in this email and you just can't because, because right. you, you know, it's not serving them to do that. Absolutely. No. Yeah. That's, awesome. that's great. And yeah. And I think that the next, the next framing question kind of, kind of speaks to a lot of this as well. And that's just in asking yourself, what outcome do I want from this email? And this is one I see emails on almost a daily basis where I'm pretty sure that they forgot to ask this. And, and an example that I'll use for this is like, I see this a lot when software companies release a new feature and they send an email out to announce the new feature. Mm. So the way those emails usually happen is because, you know, they have a new feature coming out and someone tells the marketing department like, hey, we need to email about this, this feature. And so if you stop there and you just go straight to write the email, you write the email from the mindset of I'm writing this email because we need to announce this new feature. And that's where I think most people stop. And that's why you see emails all the time where it's like a new feature announcement. It's just like, hey, we have this new feature. Yeah. Um, and there's like a big image and then maybe like, you know, click here to check it out or whatever. But what I advocate for is as soon as you sit down to write the email, and you think, start thinking about the outcome and ask yourself, why am I sending this email? And usually the first thing you'll come up with is something like that. Well, I'm sending it because I need to announce this new feature. Okay, but let's go a little deeper. So why do you want to announce the new feature is the, is the next question to ask. And so let's say the new feature is something like, like let's say it's an email marketing service and they're adding split testing. Uh, they're they're letting you split test their e your emails, mm -hmm. which, by the way, I wish more email marketing services would make that easier. Yeah. But that's a different soapbox to stand on. <laughs> so, so, OK, you're announcing the split testing feature. 
so why do you want to announce it? And the answer to that is, well, we want people to go into their accounts and create a split test. Okay, so now now we're at kind of a different point with the email, where now that we know that's what we want the outcome to be, we're probably going to take a little bit different of an approach to writing the email. And I think, you know, it'll already be improved a little bit. But if we go one level deeper and, and ask why again and say, okay, why do I want people to create a split test? Well, the answer to that is, you know, when testing this feature, we found that people who ran split tests increased their conversion rates and got better results from our product, which we know is good long-term for retention and upgrades and things like that. And so then, you know, once you've gone through all those stages, you're now, you've now arrived at, you know, we're sending this email because we want users to create a split test so they'll increase their conversion rates. So you've gone through kind of three stages of just thinking you're sending an email to announce a feature. Right. Then you think you're sending an email so people will create a split test, but really it's so people can increase their conversion rates. And so when you combine all three of those, you now have like three reasons you're sending the email and in a sense, three outcomes that you want. Because the thing is, you're going to have people receiving the email at various stages of awareness of split testing, what it is and how valuable it is. So there's going to be one set of people who just by the very fact that you're announcing that you have the split test feature are going to be super psyched and want to check it out. So those, those are the people you would have hit if you had just sent like the default email. But then the next level, you know, we want users to create a split test because you're writing it from that perspective and you're talking about because it increases conversion rates, then you're also going to hit the people who weren't necessarily aware of the value and you're going to include a lot more benefits and things in your email just beyond like making an announcement. And so I, I think that exercise is just really help, helpful and healthy to go through before you write anything because it really just puts in perspective sort of everyone receiving it that you need to consider and their levels of awareness and also, you know, what's going to convince people that they need to care about this and try it. Yeah. And uh, just walking through those three reasons or outcomes that you want for, you know, people to understand. Now you start to see where benefit gets in there, right? It started mm -hmm. out mm -hmm. and it, it turns less myopic. You know, it's so often from all kinds of, you know, SaaS companies or just any corporation really. You know, the worst like subject line I think I've ever seen is <laughs> a message from our CEO. Oh, man. I was just like, yeah. okay, right? Do I work for you? Like, why would I? Do I have to yeah. read this? You know? Yeah. Uh, and yes. You just can't, you can't delete fast enough. And there, there was just one from FreshBooks today. And it, it was pretty effective. It was direct, but it was like the, the subject line is move to the all new FreshBooks. And I guess that's okay because it's it's a pretty major move right but you know that's a case where they could have they would have thought it through and said well what is the one problem that that you know we're solving with this upgrade with this right. update right and, and focus on that and go you know overwhelmingly this is the one thing people have asked for and now it's here maybe we can lead with that benefit right right yeah yeah no that's that's a perfect example and see emails are honestly like some of my favorite things in the world um, because like they're they're usually so bad and so tone deaf uh, yeah. and, and I had a funny 
moment recently. You know, there was all this United Airlines craziness yeah. because they dragged that guy off their flight. And I think their CEO just resigned. And But like a year and a half ago, I got one of those CEO emails from United Airlines and it was from that same CEO. Mm. And I thought it was one of the worst emails I'd ever seen. And I sent an email to my list breaking down why it was such a bad email oh, wow. and like what he could have done to change it. Yeah, I, I felt like I kind of like foreshadowed the downfall of United. I tweeted like a few weeks ago, like, man, this email has aged really well. <laughs> so, <laughs> and um, you know, what cracks me up just last little rabbit hole on United. They that CEO had won some kind of award, you know, like best PR person of the year or something. Oh, right? wow. Yeah. Unbelievably, like because he he had done you know, some statistic had improved and, and United was so far in the doldrums and, and, you know, he is such an eloquent speaker. And then this right. thing happens where he like <laughs> couldn't have had a worse response. You know, what did he say? Re, what were they re reaccommodating? Reaccommodating. Re <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's just like, uh, yeah. It's fascinating. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So now, on that note, yeah. On, on that note, let's, let's reaccommodate some, 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 <laughs> <laughs> some subject lines okay you brought up subject lines which is good and i think that's a great area of focus when you're writing an email and in this stress test there's a few questions to ask about subject lines but i want to focus on one in particular that just in digging into my own open rates and click rates and some with clients that i've, I've found this has really helped me lately and that's you you ask this after you've written the subject line and after you've started to write the opening of your email. And the question is, is there continuity from the subject line? Hmm. So what I've found here, I think, you know, the the classic like a, a classic copywriting principle is, you know, give everything one job. And, you know, the job we give the subject line is to get readers to open the email. And if that's your only guideline, you can get really good open rates. But what I've found is if it's the only thing you focus on, you can get good open rates, but then get disappointing click rates. And one of the ways that I approach that to fix it is just to focus on, is there continuity between the subject line and the opening? And what I mean by that is when someone sees the subject line and then opens the email, does the opening of the email seem like a natural extension of the subject line? Or do they have to like reorient themselves to the content of the email? Right. And so I think we've seen this a lot before where we get like a really surprising subject line and then we open the email and we're like, oh, this kind of just like, this doesn't really have anything to do with the content of the email. They just wanted me to open it, right. you know? Right. And, but I also think, I think most email marketers know at this point not to do that. Sure, there are some people that still violate it, but. I think there's sort of a middle ground beyond that where people, they think of a surprising subject line that like kind of relates to the content. And so like they think they think it's okay. And I was looking at my own list and there was an email I sent a few months ago and the subject line was annoying question. And it was for a blog post about writing headlines and the connection between annoying question and the blog post was that the reason I wrote the blog post is because I was tired of hearing this annoying question from people of like, they'd say like, what do you think of this headline? 
but when they said, what do you think of this headline? Like headline could mean anything. It could mean like a subject line. It could mean a blog post title. It could mean a headline on a sales page. It could mean like a podcast episode title. And so I was just frustrated with like how we tend to treat all headlines the same, even though they're like very different. So a knowing question got people to open the email, but it didn't necessarily like pump them up to read a blog post about headlines. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So it got a really good open rate. Uh, it was 36.3%. The click rate was 9.2%, which for my list is is decent, but not great. I was a little disappointed in that. Mm-hmm. And so then I compared that to the next week, you know, I was emailing on another blog post and it was uh, about like a step-by-step guide to writing good Facebook ads. And the subject line was this checklist equals better copy. It had a very, very similar open rate, but the click rate was twice as high. And I really think that's because like it was an intriguing subject line, but it also flowed beautifully into the content of the email. Right. And, you know, that's just that's just one test. And, you know, that's not like statistically significant or anything. But, I've you know, I've, I've looked at this with other people's lists that I've worked on as well. And almost every time I try to keep in mind the connection between the subject line and the opening and just make sure there's something there. The response rate is, is just so much better. And, and it's just, I see people not doing this all the time. And so it's something I just try to check every time I'm, yeah. I'm writing. I really love that. That's a huge point. And you know, the worst version of it is when it's, it's blatant trickery, right? right. And so you have some catchy subject line and the first line in the email is reversing what they said. You know, it'll be like, well, not not exactly dot dot dot. <laughs> right, but yeah, and you're like, yeah, you, yeah. you know what? And then you, now you're just you're not only disappointed, you're, you're angry at the person. You feel right. tricked, and it's just a really great note. It's like don't you know, resist the temptation just to get attention. We we focus so much on the need to get attention, but what we'll say in here is like. If you consistently deliver on your promise, people will open you with delight because you've established this level of trust that is hugely important. And, you know, you're pointing out an example, Will, of like not even doing anything wrong on purpose. There just wasn't a ton of congruency between your subject line and the ultimate topic, right? Right. And and, and so, but that is mild compared to how most people abuse this privilege <laughs> of, yes. of, of getting attention. So yeah, fantastic. And, and I, I think most people find like with, without like really realizing it end up in that mild territory yeah. where like you're not doing anything bad, but right. like if, if you stop and think about it, you can increase what you're doing. So yeah. Okay. So, so real quick, uh, I want to run through two more of these and, and one more, the, the next one it will do real quick. And it's, it's also related to open rate. And this is something, this is one of the things that just drives me crazy because I see it all the time. And it's when people don't put proper preview text in their email. And so the, the preview text is essentially like if you're looking in your email client, you see the subject line and then you see the first few lines of the email. And you know, you'll, you'll often see like the default for lots of email templates is the thing at the top that says like, if this message isn't displaying properly, like click the HTML link or whatever. So a lot of times you'll see that little snippet in your email client. Other times you'll just see like the company name or like a repeat of the subject line. And I was sitting there looking at it and I was just like, you know, 
the competition in inboxes is so fierce and people try so hard to stand out. But I feel like so many people just ignore that there's, you know, these two lines right below the subject line that you could use to stand out further from other emails in the inbox. And, you know, I, I quickly looked up to see, like, if people had tested this. And, you know, I found a lot of tests. I think there was one there's one from a company called Rejoiner where they had increased open rates by 3% by optimizing the preview text, which, you know, for a 3% increase on an open rate, that's that's big. And so so that's just something that, like, if your email template is just automatically adding in, like, useless information there, yeah. just start making the most of that real estate. Right. And, you know, the easiest ways I've found to do that, there's kind of like three things. You can use it to like further tease the content of your email. And there was a great one that I got from Heaton Shaw, the co-founder of Kissmetrics, and, and he's done a bunch of awesome stuff. But the subject line was the number one thing I learned in the product habits workshop. And then in the preview text, you saw there won't be a blog post about this. I'm keeping it exclusive to my subscribers. Hmm. Uh, thank you for trusting me, dot, dot, dot. And I was like, man, like, that's, that's, that adds, those two lines add so much to making me want to open this email. Um, you know, so that's one way, just to further tease the content of your email. Another way is if it's like an automated email that maybe software is generating, uh, use it to provide useful information. MailChimp does this. Anytime I get a new subscriber, they send me an email. And in the preview text, you know, it says your list has gained a new subscriber. And then I can see like the beginning of that person's email address. Hmm. And I always like to like look at look at people's email addresses and just like go to their URL and and be a creepy stalker. But <laughs> really just because it's cool to like see all the different types of businesses that people have out there. Right. And then another way is just use it to summarize like what pe- the content of the email. And there's there's a newsletter from a company called CB Insights. They, they have like the best subject lines. So look, look up CB Insights and get on their emails. They do email marketing really well, but mm-hmm. they, they just use it to summarize kind of like the links that they're putting in their newsletter. So it's really helpful. But yeah, I mean, that's just something that I would say at least 50% of the emails I get just completely ignore that or just whatever their email template puts in there by default, you know, they put it in there. But I, I really have come to believe that focusing on it can get you another degree of, of success over yeah. the other emails inboxes. And again, it's just, it, it, it's paying attention, right? That this is how, <laughs> if you're noticing it, then why would you think your reader's not noticing it? Or especially, exactly. in, 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 you know, we all use pretty much the same clients. And it's funny, as you're describing this, I'm looking through my own and I use Gmail and I'm seeing the savvier marketers use it appropriately mm-hmm. right and so right like you of course the worst one and apparently it's my job on this to point out the worst of everything <laughs> but <laughs> you know you'll often see the 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 display text is want to unsubscribe from these messages right or yeah don't want to get yeah. these and you're like oh man come on you know and so yeah uh, that's like just some default from your client probably that you're not aware of and again it's just like you got to pay attention because if you're not paying attention to that what kind of signal is that sending to your reader of how your products will be right exactly and like i i'm continuously shocked at like the 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 degree to which i'll receive emails that literally have something about unsubscribing in the preview text yeah from like from really you know high profile companies and you know it's just because it's it's just it's just not paying attention but yeah that's that's funny 
Yeah, I'm looking at it from Todd Brown, who's a, gr- a great marketer, very meticulous marketer. And so his is, the subject line is unadvertised bonuses. And the display text is, I have some stuff for you, right? And you're just yeah, like, oh yeah. man, great. <laughs> yeah. I want this stuff. And the, right, so and how just, easy is that? Yeah, yeah, so simple. And again, one more thing, and I want to go down rabbit holes. We may have to do a two-parter here, Will, because there's so much great stuff <laughs> we're not even getting to. But there's a, there's a there's a great rule in script writing, particularly sitcom script writing, that's you know come in as late as possible and then get out is get out fast, right? Yeah. So what it's saying is come into the scene is late. Like we don't need to see the person walk through the door, put down their keys and then walk into the kitchen and go, why is your butt crack showing while you fix the the dishwasher? You know, you just need to see the person walk into the kitchen and that happens. Right. Right. and, And so it's, it's reminding me of that here. It's the same rule. It's like, how late can you come into this message and, and make it, clear but also interesting like oh wait like you almost have the reader to have to catch up for a second to go wow because then you're promising that this is going to move fast I, I i've taken care to not waste even a second of your time so maybe get rid of when it's appropriate all the lazy the formality hey hey how's your how's your thursday going my god yeah, tell me what, yeah. we're, what we're doing here because everybody has email overwhelm yeah, and and I'm glad you brought that up. And this is like the last thing we'll probably have time to talk about. But one like one of the next steps for optimizing your opening is to ask yourself, "Am I just clearing my throat?" Mm-hmm. And that's that's to me exactly what you just described is throat clearing. And and that's a term that you, you were talking about the script writing world. I've heard throat clearing in like the book editing world a lot. In that one of the the first kind of signs of an amateur writer is they spend tons of time like just clearing their throat trying to get into the scene and it takes forever for something to happen and i really think that it that happens to the best of us in writing emails because when you sit down to write an email a lot of times you're just trying to get started. And so you you just kind of gravitate to those easy ways of starting an email. Like, hey, hope your Thursday's going good, just like you were saying. Mm-hmm. And you end up just kind of like wasting space. And, you know, I was just scanning through my inbox and I found an email that I think has some pretty bad throat clearing. I won't say who this is from, but it's inviting me to a webinar. And it takes like five paragraphs before it even gets to anything about the webinar. Mm. And it starts out by saying March is over. And that means 25% of the year is over. (laughs) Scary when you think of it that way, right? (laughs) Time flies by so fast. So yeah, I mean, it's just like, (laughs) yeah, you want to start swinging, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and this is the kind of thing. And, and I don't mean to single whoever this person is out, but because, you know, I do stuff like this all the time, but that's what the stress test is for in that I can go back and say, is there anywhere where I'm just clearing my throat and I should like, shut up, stop, like, you know, talking about the weather and get to the point. And so that's, that's a really useful device as well that I found. Really great. There's so much great stuff in this report. If I wish you could see what I'm seeing, the listener here, because, you know, Will had 12 other talking points. Like I said, this report will be on the show notes, copychief.com forward slash T-A-M. Will's site is copygrad.com. Well, there's one more I really want to get to that's really fascinating me if we can. Yes. Uh, crutch speak. I'd love to hear about that. 
Yeah. Okay. So crutch speak is it's actually so crutch speak can occur a lot of times in throat clearing. But the crutch speak step is I, I do that once I'm done with the email and I go line by line and I ask myself for every line, is this crutch speak? And what I mean by crutch speak is I think this varies from person to person, but I personally have lots of like quote unquote marketing stock phrases that my brain just tends to like vomit onto the page without me thinking about it. (laughs) And sometimes it's because like they're they're things that that work well, right? Mm -hmm. But sometimes it's just a a laziness trigger and your brain is just doing it because like it's trying to get the work done as fast as possible. Mm. And, you know, so some of the stuff it is, like one example that I got recently was, it was another webinar invite email. And it started with, hi, Will, we're excited to announce our upcoming webinar. (laughs) And that's that's just like classic crutch speak in that, you know, no one cares that you're excited to announce your upcoming <laughs> webinar, but we all end up saying stuff like that because yeah. we're just trying to get into the email. But and, and it doesn't always crop up in in sentences like that. Sometimes it's just like, you know, it's saying stuff. It's like describing something and saying that it's easier and faster than ever before and stuff like that. Or saying like, hey, you won't want to miss this. It's just those little phrases that they're they're used so much that they're just kind of empty and you know like i said sometimes they're there for a reason like every line in your email doesn't need to be something no one has ever heard before but a lot of times they're just there because you just put it there by default it's just like a crutch to lean on so you can get through the email and and get the work done and so i i think if you can go back and challenge yourself on that stuff uh, and like i said this happens to everyone i do this all the time right and and that's actually kind of the scary thing about it is we all do it and so if you don't get in the habit of going back and looking at it it's just there and you end up sending something telling people you're excited to announce your upcoming webinar. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's such a good, uh, I love the the phrase and really an important, and I, I'm thinking in my mind right now of examples. I know that I do it. I, I'll say, so don't miss out. Right. Or so don't, right. don't, don't wait around, you know? And I just, cause you're right. It's like, it, it back to checklists, right? It's like, oh, that's the checklist in my head where I got to, oh, I have that urgency in. But it's not, right. it's not genuine. If you th- compare it to this, if you were writing an important letter to a friend, family member, right? You would mm. pour over every word. Like you would right. go back and you'd think, is this ex- saying exactly what I mean? Is this clear? You know, in my opening loops, I don't intend to. That's the same care we should take when we're writing to our list because again you know the rule it's supposed to sound very personal and that doesn't mean you trick people you know your your annoying question uh subject line will again not a nefarious thing or or even high level crime that you committed there but (laughs) i think it probably it it got good open because it feels like something you'd send to a friend right 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 and so there's a way to do that where it, it can be really effective and people won't get mad at you. But man, just like if you take what take from this call, don't don't default to trickery just to get attention. Make sure your subject line is congruent with your call to action. So that means all the way through the conversation, it, it, it's all coming together because then you'll only be raising excitement. Whatever expectation you set with the subject line, now you're getting them more and more excited about, wow, it's not only exactly what I thought it might be, it's better, right? Not like, where the hell's the payoff? <laughs> right. 
And right. this crutch speak is fantastic, dude. Like, just go back, read your stuff, and say, Did, is anything in here something I just, like, like Will said, vomited out because it feels like I'm supposed to? And if so, red flag that either. I usually just delete them altogether, you know, if it feels uh, yeah. that way to me. Like I, I would say, so sometimes you put it there for a reason for like, oh, there needs to be urgency here. Mm-hmm. So the reason for having it there isn't necessarily wrong. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it's not, a, I'm not saying that it won't be, that it won't create some urgency. It probably, you know, a phrase like don't miss this. It, you know, for some people it creates emergency, but what might happen if you stopped and said like, what's another way that I could convey urgency here without just using this throwaway phrase that people see in five different emails every day. Right. So, so for me, that's, that's really what it's about. Yeah. And you can have fun and you could even like, those are great opportunities to inject personality, right? Exactly. Uh, you know, we'll, exactly. we're, I'll do a little shameless plug in copy chief. We're doing a, a training called how to be you, but funny where we're oh, nice. teaching nice. people how to yeah inject comedy into their messaging without compromising who they are right and that's one of this is a great place to think of that and say all right i just did something sort of almost subconsciously and to me that feels empty what Mm -hmm. if i totally took this the other way and is there an opportunity for me to have so much fun with this that you know i take it from an afterthought to a signature highlight yeah the highlight so it's like and listen, it's important that you don't delay on this. And I know you hear that all the time, but I really mean it. And and here's why. And then you could right. like list of, you know, ridiculous reasons why waiting would ruin your right. life, you know? Right. Uh, so that's a that's a great point. And, you know, that, that's a way you can challenge yourself to say, can I take the mundane or the ignorable and flip it? And like you said, make it a highlight of my communication. Yeah, yeah, and I'm I'm looking forward to that training. By the way, uh, I'm gonna check that out for sure. So it. yeah, it's really yeah. gonna be really fun. Yeah, cool, brother. All right, well, man, really appreciate this. Again, it's copygrad.com, and you will get everything at the show notes. Copychief.com forward slash tam for truth about marketing. Well, number two's in the can. Well, you got two more to go. To I know, record, man. So. I'm coming after I'm coming after the, the, the mountaintop here. So, no, thank you so much, Kevin, for having me on again. It's always a blast, always an awesome conversation. And I, I appreciate it, man. Thank you. I appreciate you. And also, make sure you check out Hardbound. Hardbound.com uh, is where you'll see the, the work that Will does over there along with Nathan. Dot .co, actually. I'm sorry, dot .co, dot .co, yeah. hardbound.co. Yeah. We'll put that in the show notes as well. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Talk soon, man. All right. Thanks, Kevin. Hey, thanks again for listening to the Truth About Marketing podcast. If you like this show and you think other people would like this show, the best way to spread the word is by reviewing and rating the show in iTunes. Just log in, click review, leave a big old fat five-star review, and let everybody know that you dig the show so that they can dig it too. To get all the links and resources we mentioned on today's episode, please go to copychief.com forward slash TAM, as in truth about marketing. And if you'd like to uh, learn more about how you can improve your sales copy with uh, templates, formulas, coaching, feedback, or hiring a pro, 
Do all that on the inside of the members area of copychief.com and I will look for you there. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.